Hello, and welcome to a bonus episode of I Loved This Conversation. Why is this a bonus episode? Well, if you've been listening, you know I have a child now, a newborn baby. Well, okay, as of recording this, I don't, but it could be any day now. I'm keeping an eye on my text messages whenever my wife and I are not in the same room. I guess I assume she would call. (laughs) Um, When you're hearing this, I am probably at home taking a break from creating podcasts and animation. Oh my God, my wife is calling. This would be so funny if it was contractions. One sec. Hello? Hi. Hey, what's up? Um, so my mom's going to bring me back. Sounds good. Okay. See you later. Love you. Bye. Bye. Okay. That was not contractions, but, um, anyway, I'm doing some bonus episodes so that I can put out some stuff while I'm away. You, you guys would be fine if I didn't, but I feel like I just like to keep in touch. I think it's a nice way to keep things going on the feed, but this bonus episode, I kind of did it for me because I've had over the last year and change that I've been doing these conversations, some great conversations with artists and creative people who happen to also be parents. And I had the foresight to ask them about that and to bring up some of my fears about becoming a parent when I was talking to them. I'm so glad that I did because all of these folks had some really amazing, inspiring, beautiful, interesting, challenging things to say about being a parent and an artist. So I decided to compile some of my favorite moments from those conversations. (laughs) It's a clip show. Yeah, we've jumped the shark. It's a clip show, but you know, it's a podcast. So maybe you haven't even heard all of these conversations. I hope you enjoy hearing them now together on this kind of theme of being an artist who is also a parent. If you're an artist who's a parent, maybe you'll relate. If you're an artist who wants to be a parent someday, I think you'll really, really enjoy this. It will help you feel kind of positive about those two things, which can sometimes feel like they conflict. And uh, I think you'll get something out of this no matter what. So in this, you're going to hear Anthony Marquette who is an animator who also runs the Pixels and Polygons School in Massachusetts. You're going to hear scientist and science communicator Matt Woodruff. You're going to hear sculptor and my grandmother-in-law, Nancy Shern. You're going to hear ceramicist Eric Wilson, musician Yoni Gordon, children's book author and illustrator Sarah Lynn Rule. And then we're going to close it off with another clip from Anthony Marquette that I think is just a really beautiful way to end. Anyway... That's all. Enjoy, and we'll be back in the near future with some regularly scheduled conversations with some cool people. Here is the Parenthood episode. As like a creative, self-employed, ambitious, uh, I wouldn't, I don't like to use the word workaholic, but someone who works a lot. Yeah. And works a lot, not just working a lot mindlessly, but working a lot towards goals and dreams, which which I feel like you fall in that category too. True. I have a lot of they're far off fears, but I have a lot mm-hmm. of vague fears that like, like, oh, once I, once I have a kid, I'll ha- I won't be able to work anymore. I won't be able to do that stuff. But then I, I've observed a lot of friends of mine and family members have mm-hmm. kids. Right. And I've observed that those of them who have kids but are also, you know, creative business people or whatever, they actually almost work more efficiently because they have less time. Have you found that to be the case? Completely. With the baby? Completely. Because neglecting what you need to do when you're the only person who pays for it is easier than neglecting what you need to do when the most important person or people in the world Mm. are the ones who pay for it. So it feels infinitely more selfish to waste time when it's not just my time. Wow. Oh, that's interesting. I have found myself dicking around and, you know, not doing what it is I need to be doing. And, um, 
I don't know, I wouldn't call it guilt, but mm -hmm. I would call it something equally powerful that just um, effectively slaps me upside the head. So it's essentially, I mean, this is oversimplifying something that's probably subconscious, but it's essentially like you start to get distracted, but then you think of the stakes and your and your daughter, daughter, right? right? Yes, yeah. you got it. Your daughter, uh, and it kind of you snap back to it's, yeah. it's the Homer Simpson do it for her. That's Ma exactly Maggie right. Simpson. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget, uh, you'll be here forever. <laughs> do it for her was a much better sign to have yeah. on the wall. And the other thing is how much I truly enjoy spending time with her. Yeah, I, it's 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 just not a competition. Whatever is was on the internet that I habitually right. just found myself staring at. It's not one millionth as cool as changing my baby's diaper. What is your favorite thing to do that has nothing to do with science and science communication and your, your work at Emory? So I would say that uh, all of my interests before five years ago have been wiped out by the fact that I now have three kids and they're uh, <laughs> all five and under. I would have said like rock climbing or getting up into the White Mountains or things like that. Yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. that would have been it. Um, but I, in truth, haven't uh, been to a rock wall in four years. And the last time I was <laughs> on a real mountain was quite some time ago. But I think going and hanging out with my kids on the playgrounds can be a lot of fun. Like watching, watching Charlie figure out how monkey bars work and like encouraging him to yeah. do it in different ways and like watch him start to, I don't know, you know, there's... There's a lot to be said for hanging out and watching kids rediscover the world in a way that uh, we haven't had to discover it in a long time. I think that there's there's a lot of fun in that. So I'd, I'd have to say right now, it's just sort of small outings where I get to watch them figure out new things and get excited about stuff that I used to be really excited about. And, you know, you can sort of vicariously get excited about again. I love that. Something I'm really interested in, and this will be for <laughs> for obvious reasons, I've learned a lot about you over the years, and I'm so lucky to have had lots of conversations to learn about you. But something I want to learn more about is the time in your life when you were either creating art or maybe not creating art as much as you wanted, but when you had young kids. And I'm a freelance artist. My wife, your granddaughter, is a freelance artist, and we're about to have a kid. So we're about to enter this new phase in our life. And I'm so curious to learn about that part of your life. Were you creating art a lot when you had young kids? Well, <laughs> it was sort of difficult since we were moving around the country all yeah. over the place. I tried. It was it was pretty hard to do when I had little kids. I had a somebody who was really my mentor, and she helped me to think about time and small children. She said, you know, your child, the last child of four, I had four kids, and the last child goes off to nursery school. Don't do any housework. Don't do a thing. <laughs> Just go into your little studio, which is a tiny little room I had with that I shared with my husband, which was really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was when I switched to wax because wax was clean as opposed to clay. So um, I would go in those two hours. I had two hours and I just did nothing else but think and work and try yeah. and try to create. <laughs> she also said, well, then you've got five days. So really, mm. you've got 10 hours and don't destroy those 10 hours right. because you've got them and don't do anything else. That was how I started to look at time. And that was very important because I did have little kids. So at that time, I was also working in wax. And I also started doing very small pieces. Right. And I found a guy 
who was would cast small sculptures for me. So that's how it all sort of started. <laughs> that was in the 60s, I guess. And I had a big break, and some of my small sculptures were taken to a Newbury Street gallery and shown. And that was kind of the beginning of my career as a sculptor. And and those 10 hours a week that you were keeping sacred, when you got into the studio, were you always excited to work? Or was it more that you had to push yourself to use those, <laughs> those was, precious two hours a day? I was pushing myself. And there were days when I did absolutely nothing. Yeah. Absolutely not a thing. But at I finally started doing, because what did I know? I knew little kids. Yeah. So these little sculptures turned into children, and they were children who were playing, and they were doing all sorts. But they were small. They were only 8 or 10 inches tall. But that was the size that this guy could cast, and yeah. that was the size I could afford. I talk about that. Mia and I are about to enter this period, but we are starting a family in an era where people are a lot less traditional about gender roles and parenting. And you're talking about the 60s and talking about doing art instead of housework and instead of all of that. Did it feel like you were kind of going against the grain or going uphill or being non-traditional in some way? I've always been non-traditional, yeah, yeah. but I've always said I was traditional, but I've been sort of, I've realized as I look back that I was very non-traditional. Yeah. I mean, I used to ride my bike to the museum school on Route 9 in the old days, Yeah, <laughs> and I wore pants, and I wore dungarees, and I guess I was sort of a tomboy, so I, I did things. As an athlete, I was always a little bit out of sync. So you went to art school, and then pretty shortly after did what I think many people did at the time was become a young wife and mother. Did it feel like going from creating all the time? And then was it like, was it frustrating to go into that traditional role? Or was that more just what people did? Well, I don't know what people did. I sort of did both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or yeah. I tried to. But it was hard because my husband, we did have traditional roles. And he, he was the breadwinner and I was the mother. And uh, I stayed home and I did the, you know, I did the housework and I did the art. I'm glad that things are more equal now. I think it's fair that they are. But, you know, I fell into that. That's who I was. That's what I did. And I accepted my role. And I loved Loved being a mother, and I loved when I started doing these little sculptures of yeah. kids because uh, I did a whole bunch of sculptures that were around my son, who was always balancing and doing mm -hmm. different things. He was kind of a acrobat, <laughs> <laughs> so it was fun. I enjoyed doing that. That was good. It worked. It it was a good time. People who've been listening to like the last couple episodes are probably annoyed with me asking about this. Um, but something I'm really interested in just because I'm at a point in my life where I'm planning to have kids soon. And I am also like you and an artist with artistic passions and ambitions and someone who wants to put a lot of time and energy towards my art and my creative life and my career. You had a, a daughter a couple years ago. And I'm curious, how do you balance your ambition and your priorities? Being in a life situation where you absolutely have to to prioritize another person first 100% of the time. You know, nothing in life is 100%, yeah. but but like having a small kid, so Zoe's two and a half, it's just a lot of time and yeah. needs a lot of attention. So I think, I guess for me, you know, I don't have a problem coming up with the the energy or the desire to be in the studio. So that yeah. is not a challenge. There's like a drive or a compulsion to make stuff. So that is there. 
it's not about the desire to be making or in the studio. It's more about, okay, how do you protect your time? How do you organize mm -hmm. your life to make that happen? And basically for me, that just means getting up early and going to the studio when everybody's yeah. asleep. Right. <laughs> right. So it's really, it's funny. I tried to like turn it into a deeper question about ambition, but in a sense, what you're saying is like, no, it's logistical. <laughs> or, yeah, kind or it's, of. Yeah. Uh, I think I alluded to this at the beginning, but it's about being to some extent, like organized about my time. You know, I'm not a disorganized person, but I'll be completely transparent and say like, <laughs> I, I'm not like spreadsheet guy, right? Like yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not like, uh, you know, I've got my calendar and my journal, I'm writing everything down and like, I've got a total plan and a da da da. Like I just, right. I don't live life like that. It's not, it's not like um, I'm opposed to it or <laughs> not it, it, like anything like that. It's just somehow my brain kind of doesn't work that way. I'm also not highly disorganized. Mm -hmm. If if I didn't have to be, I, I wouldn't be really focused on like, all right, like, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like I'm in the studio yeah. at this time, like this week I'm working on X and Y kind of thing. And, and I think that because the motivation is there, it's easy to do what you have to do to fit it in. What is something you learned the hard way that you're glad you learned the hard way because you don't think there's any better way for you to have learned it than by going through it the hard way. All of parenting, all of parenting, you know, every age they say, oh, this, this you know, twos are the terrible twos or this right. age is hard. Every age is the hardest age and every age is the best age. You should just allow yourself to be present for all of it because it's, you get the privilege of seeing someone grow from the very first moment of their life and you're going to be there for all of it all of it up until, you know, they start to taper off in teenage years and don't want you involved as much. Right. And that shit is going to be hard. It's yeah. going to be hard to be there for all of it. And it's so worthwhile because yeah. you get to know somebody in such a deep way. You get to see them reflect elements of you and your family members and your, your partner back at you. And then you also get to see them be just whoever it is that they are from the first moments they're born, you will see who they are and you'll continue to see that throughout the rest of their life. You, you were doing that thing that the day you came home from the hospital, you did that thing and you still do it now. And mm. it's so worth it to just be there for that whole process. So I've had now a handful of people on who are parents and like very selfishly, I'm always asking about it because I'm at a stage in my life where I'm hoping to have kids like within the next year or so. And I have so much excitement about that and fears around it that are like probably like pretty cliche fears. So I've been I've been asking like all of the the dads and moms who've been on the podcast about this. And my question is, I, I'm also like, it's always interesting to know just like, how do you balance it? Work-life balance. But like what I'm actually more in. <laughs> you balance. <laughs> right. That, see, that's, that's usually the answer. But what I'm actually more interested in, because maybe this taps into fears I have, you are someone who still very much as an artist and a career person, you have big goals and ambitions for yourself that you've been following. And so I'm always curious how how you feel you prioritize yourself at a stage in your life where you have to prioritize other people. Mm -hmm. And I've actually on the podcast mostly talked to dads about this. And um, it's not necessarily fair that this is true, but I feel like that's even more fraught for moms. Mm. How do you sort of chase your own goals that are 
for you, Sarah's goal, Sarah's ambitions, honor that ambitious part of yourself while also prioritizing others? Yeah, good question. (laughs) (laughs) I think it varies and changes a lot over time. You know, for me personally, like I really started being more creative professionally and personally, like after my kids were born. Right. Like I think I sort of like had myself in a box before being like, I can't do art, have to do a thing that makes more money. Yeah. I mean, I guess I feel like with the moms versus dad things, especially in the beginning, like I think I didn't realize the physicality of motherhood. Like, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I grew up in the 80s. I feel like it was like, oh, yeah, of course, you can, like, be a working mom and, like, have a kid. And, like, it's fine. Like, that's just, like, normal. And, like, my my mom always worked. Her mom always worked. Like, it's just like, oh, you just do that. And then I didn't realize, oh, like, someone has to watch the baby all the time. (laughs) And also, like, my body will be making food for the baby for the foreseeable future. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) While I'm healing from the trauma of the baby leaving my body. I mean, I knew about that stuff, but I didn't really know about it. You know, like, getting peed on at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning and then you know, feeling so tired that you feel like you're drunk and you're like, who gave me this baby? Like, why would they let me do this? And yet, like, you're you're the parent. Right. (laughs) You were asking about, like, how how you sort of balance personal goals with... Yeah, like, honoring your own personal ambitions. And I don't think this is a bad thing, but, like, our creative ambitions, yes, of course, like, we want to succeed because that helps our families too, but our creative ambitions are about us in a sense. Like, they're about what we... How we want to feel whole. Right. Well, and I think that that's the kind of example that I want to set for my kids. And Mm. I think that's one of the main reasons I went back to school, too, is like not only like in thinking about Bend and I think, well, you know, I don't know how much who knows how long you get to live. (laughs) Like you should probably try to do something that you enjoy now because you just can't bank on having X amount of time after you do something else. Yeah. Um, And also I had Miriam, my older daughter, and, you know, I just I wanted her to see that, like, I didn't hate my job. I mean, she sees me go crazy over things now, but like, it's a different thing. I hope, (laughs) you know, I think about my own dad who like, I know he always wanted to draw and like he stopped Mm -hmm. drawing and like, I think he always regretted that. And when he retired, he did do some art related stuff for sure. But like it, he wasn't really able to get back into, I think the thing that he had wanted to do when he was younger. And so when I realized I was able to do that, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try it and yeah. see how it goes. And and then each time I feel like it's not working, I'm like, all right, I'll give myself a year and we'll see if I can't, you know, hit these such and such goals or close to them, then like I'll go and like get an HR job or something and like right. knock on wood, like it's been working out. But I think that it's, I think it's important to try to find something that like brings you joy. And even if it's clearly it's not going to bring you joy every moment of the day. I remember when your book, The Breaking News came out, I went to like a book reading event and I think your kids were there. And I I don't have many specific memories about them, but I'm curious because I know from growing up what your parents do is so normal to you. I'm curious for them. And maybe this is a question only they can answer in (laughs) 20 years when I have them on the podcast because it'll <laughs> still be going, right? But for them, what you do is is so connected with their world because when you're a kid, yeah. books are like a deep part of your universe. So yeah. I'm curious if you have any like observations around that. I mean, my kids are getting older now. If you remember them at the event, like they were little. I was yeah. like holding and like, so they're nine and 13 now. Oh, wow. My 13 year old is like, she looks like she's 16. She's like almost, she's almost as tall as me. She's technically not taller than me yet. I, I mean, like, I think she remembers me working somewhere else. I don't even know if she remembers me working somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I remember once feeling like really cruddy about something about the work I was working on. 
And she said to me, this is maybe like four or five years ago, Miriam said, if I could draw every day for work, like that would be so amazing. And I would love to do that. And I'm like, yeah, kid, we'll just try. Like, <laughs> but like, but then I was like, like careful what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was like, she's right. I don't have to do this. I get to do this. And like, I forget that a lot. And I have to always remind yeah. myself that. And um, kind of cool to have an actual child to represent your inner child. Because yeah. I always have to just ask eight-year-old me and, yeah. and be like, oh, he wanted to draw every day for work. Right. Yeah. You have an embodiment of that. Yeah. Oh, boy. Don't ask them now. <laughs> or like, stop drawing. Dance K-pop all the time. <laughs> we wish you were a K-pop artist. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, because like as they get older, because I really started looking at picture books again when my kids were little, and now they're yeah. out of the picture book range, really. I'm starting to worry. I'm like, am I not going to have younger kid ideas now? I, I don't. I think that's probably just me being too worried about things <laughs> and like I don't need to be but um you know I think a lot of my book ideas came from conversations that I had with them yeah and I think like when you were asking about you know balancing your professional goals with like family goals type things and yeah. I, I think like what's really interesting for me is that the things that I was worried about with having kids I guess I feel like you can't you can't really know what to be worried about yeah which is like very hard because I think I especially I used to be the kind of person who was like, well, if I just plan for every contingency, then like I can find a way out kind of thing. Yeah, get out of my head. <laughs> I'm always, I always have this underlying feeling that if I just like figure out a schedule and like how I think about everything, I'll be sort of like bulletproof to like what life throws at me. I always think I'm just falling short of like anticipating everything. Yeah. And I think if I can anticipate everything, then I can prevent bad things from happening, mm, which is yeah. like clearly not true. And like the bad things that have happened, like were completely out of my control. And so that's something I've worked on in therapy. <laughs> and like, I think like one kind of mantra that I had for a while that I worked with my therapist was like, instead of obsessively trying to guess all the bad things that were going to happen in the future so that I could fix them before they happened, I would say to myself, I'm capable of dealing with problems as they occur. Mm -hmm. Like... Yeah. Like when I get to that bridge, I will cross it if I can. Or if I can't cross it, I will pick something out then. Like just have to trust future Sarah, which is a challenge. But I think with kids, my experience with kids at least, is that things that I thought I should be prepared for, like wasn't really worth all the worry mm -hmm. for those things. And then the things that happen, don't know how I could prepare for those things. Right. And then you'll find that like the way that you approach your creative work changes because there's this like human, this like different person one thing I like a lot about my kids is that like they have a sense of humor that's very tailored to my sense of humor <laughs> and yet they come up with things that like I never would say right um, you know man and toddlers man like they just they're just a whole nother species yeah. themselves. and you're just like wh where did you come up with that and this is a person who like didn't know how to talk a year ago yeah. and now it's yeah. like it's bonkers so I think that it's good to be around kids however you can be around kids and just sort of like absorb their craziness, and then let it affect your creativity. I love that. The final lightning round question okay. um, before we wrap up. What is your favorite thing to do that has nothing to do with animation or teaching or any of your other professional or artistic pursuits, I guess? I think you know the answer. Yep. Spending time with your kid. Oh, da, 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 Gross. No, I'm yes. just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> Holy hell. I mean, it's just uh, she thinks I'm funny. She thinks I'm smart. You know, it's it's really easy to, yeah. uh, to feel really good about yourself when you're dealing with someone who doesn't know anything about anything. She's like right. the greatest student, you know, she's yeah. just a total blank slate. Yeah, and I can blab at her forever. But actually, if I could describe it a little more sincerely than that, it would be um, that everything that I thought I knew about life changed. Mm. Um, I, I was fundamentally transformed when when she showed up 
Yeah. And you hear parents who are like, well, you'll, you'll never know until you deal with it right. yourself. And uh, <laughs> as obnoxious as that is to right. hear, it's true. That's true. And um, as cheesy as it is to say, it's true. Um, if I could live a life of extravagance and overindulgence, or like I said, just like play with a cardboard box yeah. with my kid, no brainer. <laughs>